All right, good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Shepherd's Love with UTE Discipleship Center. Today, we will be discussing um, parenting after divorce. But before we get into that and I introduce our speaker, I'm going to get into a word of prayer first. And then we're going to do a quick recap of the months that we have spoken and talk on the things we have talked about. And then I will introduce our famous speaker. So, Father, we give you praise and honor for today. We bless you, first of all, for your love and your tender mercies towards us, Father. We thank you for how you have continued to breathe on us and love on us and continue to call us into your own, oh God. We thank you for this day to where we begin to change the trajectory of mindsets of what it looks like once you're divorced, oh God, in moving in you and loving in you and loving on your people. So Father, I give you praise and honor for this opportunity for your word to go out to help others, oh God, to understand that just because they get a divorce doesn't mean they have to sit. And so, Father, we thank you that there will be no condemnation, there will be no shame in those who are hearing and those who will receive, they will move in freedom and they will understand that they are just serving an audience of one and that you will open those doors and move on their behalf. So, Father, we give you praise and honor for today. Bless the speaker as she continues to prepare her mind and heart before you as you move in her, oh God, and when her heart continues to say yes. Bless the listeners who are listening, oh God. Bless this ministry, oh God, that continue to say yes to you, to serve you in a different way, in a different model, oh God. So we just ask that you continue to let your hand rest upon us and move in today's session. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. All right, fam. So we have been discussing about the issues flowing from the heart of God, which is family. And so in May, we, I'm sorry, in March, we talk, we just basically talked about what family is um, because we have this understanding that family is, you know, just mommy and daddy working, bringing in the money and raising kids. But we got the understanding that it is an institution that God ordained and that we are responsible for the conduct of society as a whole, not just the government responsibility, but the family structure is responsible for how society is running. And so we talked about that. And then we moved into April. We talked about the husband role in the family and also if you're not married a man and we talk about how the husband or the man within the family is responsible for binding the family together bringing it together keeping it together um, because there is their responsibility to listen to god um, and begin to implement what god is saying and, you know, we, we talked about those responsibilities and the emotion that a husband or a man or a father would go through within that family. And that's what we discussed in April. And then in May, we talked about the, the wife, the role of the wife, or if you're not a wife, a mother or, you know, just a woman role and how we got the understanding that we wasn't created, but we was built for this. We were built for whatever God had put us in and what he wanted us to do uh, to 
foreign raw resources were within the family and it's also was the wife it is the wife or the woman and mother role to build up the family structure on the outside while the husband or the man bind it together and so we talked about that in may and then in june we talked about the children because oftentimes society and other churches they leave out the children for some reason i don't know why because children makes up a family i don't know why they want to keep children out but we talked about um children in the family their responsibility and their role and we understood that they are a gift from god uh, and that they should be looked at as a blessing but they also had a unique responsibility um for the parents to pour into them from a spiritual and physical need but they are part of god's design for the family uh, and that's what makes up a family as well is the children so we, we really talked about the children and so and we talked about the stages of the children how they impact and then also how we can see a lot of those stages in adults lives as well because we went into that that place of sometimes mom and dad and, and um, adults function from a childlike mindset and why because of those stages that we went through so that was just a quick recap and so here we are in july getting ready to discuss parenting after a divorce and we have the awesome um speaker who's going to talk about this is uh, no other than alicia clark and she um not just because here at ut we don't like uh, shepherd's love we don't like to just pull from my hip but we come from with experience we come with understanding and so she will be coming with understanding and experience and knowledge and what we need to do and how we need to be in this. So I now introduce Alicia Clark and she's gonna flow in her own way. So Alicia, you have the floor. Thank you. Thank you for that warm introduction. Um, I'm just happy to be here, humbled to be able to teach um, and share what God has given me. Um, and I just pray that it blesses someone. Um, I know that God's word is rich um, and um, he is for us. And so I'm, I'm excited about this topic. Um, I didn't think I was going to be excited about this topic at first, um, if I can be honest with you all, um, because I am a single parent after divorce, um, but God began to show me how um, I can share some things and um, really just begin to enlighten. So I'm just gonna jump in. Um, I have some notes and some structure to this uh, message, but as God typically does, it, it may not go that way, but I'm sure it'll be a blessing. Um, and so single parenting after divorce. Um, the first thing that uh, came to me with this topic as I was just you know wrapping my mind around what God wanted me to say, um, how he wanted me to present information, do you just want me to share my testimony? Um, you know, what, what do you want, um, to pull out of, of this idea, um, that really is an identity, um, for a lot of people. And the first thing that came to me was that there is no magic formula. Um, and I said, okay, father, um, there is no magic formula. Um, and he, he outright said, I am not going to give you one answer. He said, I am not going to give you uh, one solution that is going to be the end all answer to um, 
any and everybody's woes or concerns or issues or challenges as it relates to single parenting um, after divorce. Um, he said, there is no magic formula. Um, and so that knocked a pause in me because <laughs> I'm living it. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe that's why I don't get answers to some stuff just outright. Um, but God is. And so, you know, again, contrary to popular belief, we like to say, well, there, there's a scripture for this. There's a scripture for that. And there is word and there is scripture. And God did give me scriptures um, and there's prayer. Um, there are tools and resources. We have resources within our community. Um, we have resources among each other. Um, we have wisdom from, you know, mothers of old, you know, the old church mothers that could tell you how to how to do it, how to how to be this and how to be that. And for all intents and purposes, you know, for their lives, it obviously appeared to work. Um, there is all of that. But what he meant by there is no magic formula is that while there's all of that, there is no one way. And oftentimes that could sound contradictory to how we see God and what we know of God. And because we know that he is the way mm -hmm. um, and in, in the in the uh, cosmic understanding of who he is, we know that it's just him. Right. He is the answer. But when it comes down to um, solutions and and uh, answers and getting over challenges and things that we face, he said there is no one way. Um, he said, because each of you are individuals and you have individual lives that you're living, individual circumstances. And he said, even individual wheels that I have planned out for you. So what works for you may not work for someone else. Um, and so he said, but it will absolutely work for everyone if it's from me. And so just that was just like, OK. So I don't have to have an answer in this teaching for everybody. That's what you're telling me. Okay, I can do that. I can, I can teach. Um, but then he took me to um, a very well-known passage of scripture that we know. Um, and I have a story with the scripture. Um, it's Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his plan and purpose. And I went through so many, I love going through different translations. And so I went through so many different translations. And in all my studies of the word of God over the years, um, this is probably one of the few scriptures that I have found that didn't change much across all those translations. Hmm. And if you know anything about studying the word of God, you can read it in this and it's like, whoa, you can read it in this. And it's just like, wow, that word is not even in this translation. But this translation was pretty much the same because in my mind, I'm looking for something else. Right. I'm like, it's got to be something deeper because you got to give me something for this, you know, for this message. Um, but in that, what he was telling me and what he's telling us is, I mean what I said. All things, even you being single, even you being a single parent, even you having gone through divorce, all those things can and will work together for the good. Mm -hmm. And then he took me to that word, the good. Mm -hmm. And there's a there's a translation where that word, the, the words good actually translates to the ultimate good. That was the only thing in that passage that I, I really honestly had never seen. And I said, OK, Father, so this means that all of these different circumstances that bring us to a place of being a single parent after the after divorce 
are still part of the ultimate good, even if I can't see that in it. And he said, even if it means that my choices landed me here. And this is where it gets rough because I can honestly say, transparently say, my choices landed me here. It's my choices are the reason. And not only my choices, but he also said, my choices and the choices of someone else are what led me here to this place. And so oftentimes as believers, we don't really deal with how we reconcile the all things work together for good, the perfect will of God. You throw in his grace and his mercy. And then, but these are my choices. And I know that there are actions and responses and consequences to my choices. If I'm an adult, I understand that. And I understand that clearly. I might not like it. I might not want to face it. It might be a hard pill to swallow. But what happens is, and I can, again, for me, what's, what happened to me was reconciling the all things working together for good. But these were my choices. So, Father, you're going to have to meet me in the middle because I, I don't know how to bring that together. And then I love what you said in the prayer, uh, Kanisa, because you talked about condemnation, because what he began to talk to me about was how what, what gets in that gap between the all things and your choices is condemnation, mm. is shame that then can turn into rejection and fear and all this other stuff that starts to pile on top of it, which I'm sure we've all experienced. Uh, but it does not negate this passage. And we as people of God, ministers, prophets, apostles, whatever you want to call yourself, we profess to know these great deep things of God. Like I just, I know him in the deepest way. And I endeavor to know him in the deepest way. But there's some stuff that still just blows my mind. And this is a passage that does that in its simplicity for him to be able to say that about me. Yeah. Knowing me and not just knowing me, knowing my end from the beginning, knowing the choices that I would make before I was in my mother's womb yeah. and to still declare that over me. That is beyond my understanding. It takes faith to walk that out. So it takes faith to be a single parent after divorce because you're going to have to grab onto this scripture and begin to reconcile your life and the pieces and the places in your life where we feel like we have failed or we feel like we have gone astray or we feel like our choices have led us here. It is there where faith Hit, faith rubber meets the road and that's where your faith comes in because we talk about faith to move mountains and faith to produce this and faith to manifest this and that's all great but what about the faith to live every single day understanding that all things do work together for the good but i have consequences to my choices that's big i am a single parent after divorce that was not my intention mm -hmm. 
nor was it my desire, and I'm talking about Alicia, nor was it my desire to raise two young men on my own. I wanted to do this God's way, but my choices and my response to somebody else's choices led me to this place. And it's a hard realization, but it is still part of the all things that are working together for the good. When I was um, just shortly after I was saved, um, I, it was this was in 2002. I was saved in 2001. Um, just barely, baby, barely knew God, just, just milk in the bottle, just, just excited. I was so fervent and, um, and, and I, and I still am, but that, that was a period where you could have told me Jesus walked down the hall and I would have believed you because I could see him. I could feel him. I could, you know, everything was just so vibrant and I was in a service, um, and, service was was over had come outside and it was just one of those services where the glory of god was so high um people were slain in the spirit and um just a good time in the lord and come out to the parking lot to go home and i started walking towards my car which was sort of in the middle of the parking lot and it was near um a light post that was in the parking lot really tall really tall light post and all of a sudden this light got brighter um, and I just initially I thought it was just the light, the parking lot light was just getting brighter because it's nighttime. And, you know, that's just what it does because people are out and make helping us make us feel safe. But I looked up and I realized that that's not what this was, because it was getting increasingly brighter to the point where it was I could not look at it. Mm. And so I, I had to put my face down because I could not look at this light um, that appeared to be coming from the top of this street light light pole. Mm -hmm. um, and when I looked down, I could see the bottom of what appeared to be um, the angels, like a, a, the hem of an angel's garment is the best way I could describe it. But it was also part of their body. Um, and then I realized that this being was standing in front of me. Mm. And it was just almost, almost mostly light. Um, but I could make out that this was what this was, but I couldn't look directly up at it because it was it was just too bright. Um, and I stood there just in awe. Um, and then I immediately thought that I was OK, I'm still experiencing the glory from the inside. This is this is this is from that because this experience was so high. So I just stood there and I actually eventually I dropped to my knees and I was on my knees in the parking lot of the church just in prayer and worship. Uh, and this angel, I, I came to know later because in that moment I did not have this understanding, but I came to know later that this angel spoke to me and he declared to me that I would have two sons. Hmm. And at that particular time in my life, and again, this was in 2002, I lived a rough childhood. I was wild. I was just did everything I thought I was grown enough to do. Uh, and so I had made some choices earlier in my life. Mm -hmm. That it led me to a point, and this is a very transparent part of this message, but it led me to a point where um, I was told that I was unable to have children. Mm -hmm. um, and I had been to doctors, uh, but they, they were my choices that led me there. Things that I did that damaged my body. Yeah. Um, at a very, very young age, um, like 19 years old. And so I had 
from that point on, I had just lived accepting that I would not be able to have children. Um, and so that night um, in 2002, this angel spoke to me and he told me that I would have two sons. And I closed my eyes and Kanisa, you know that I am a seer. This was one of the very first things that I ever saw. Mm -hmm. Second to me seeing Jesus the night that I got saved. Mm -hmm. A likeness of Jesus. Let me clear it up because people are like, you ain't see Jesus. <laughs> no, I did not see Jesus face to face. I hope not. I wouldn't be sitting here with y'all if I did. Uh, but a, a likeness of him. But the second thing that I, I saw was um, two faces. And he showed me the faces of infant boys. Um, and he gave me their names, um, and their names were Nathaniel and Caleb. Now this was in 2002. I had been told I could not have children. Um, I took that vision and I tucked it away. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't share with anybody. Um, you know, the vision ended, I got up and I went to my car and I went on with my business and went to church and did things as normal. And I just, I just held it. I just kept it. Part of me, um, if I'm honest with God, I didn't believe it. Yeah. I did not see how this was going to happen. Mm -hmm. I had medical reports. I had doctors telling me X, Y, Z. Um, I had two different OBs. I mean, it was like, this is, you have way too much scar tissue, this, this, and that is going on. Um, and so I, I took it, I held it, but I didn't do anything with it. I didn't even pray about the vision. If I'm honest, I didn't. I just, I put it in a category of an experience with God. <laughs> I, for some, somehow I believed that it was God, but I didn't necessarily believe that it was going to come to pass. Mm -hmm. And that even is, in a, is, a, is a weird space. So sometimes we don't admit that that's where we are, but that's where mm -hmm. I was. But to get back on point, my sons were born in 2009 and 2010, and they are Nathaniel and Kayla. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that when um, my first son was conceived, I knew the moment he was conceived. Because the, and I know that sounds like deep, but the moment he was conceived, I, I was taken back to yeah, that, that day and I heard his name. And so I remember telling my, uh, my ex-husband, um, I said, it's a boy. And he said, you're pregnant? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. And it's a boy. And his name is Nathaniel. And it, you know, it was laughable. Um, all the way up until we could prove that it was a boy. I mean, it was laughable to prove that I, until I could prove that I was pregnant. And then it was laughable until I could prove that it was a boy. And then once it was a boy, he came out and the doctor, there's like, she's, he's like, he, he, she's already got his name picked out. So his name is Nathaniel. And then my second son, um, similar uh, occurrence. Um, I, I knew that I was pregnant um, in, a, in a very, very short time. And I knew it was a boy. I'm like, it, it cannot not be a boy. Mm -hmm. Because now that vision was connecting to what was happening to me. Um, and so that, again, that space between the all things working together is a vast space. It can be a vast space in time. Yeah. Because that was seven to eight years later that of a vision that 
I didn't really see coming to pass and a vision that I, if I'm honest, the, some of the doubt that I had in it were because of my choices. Mm-hmm. Because I just did not think that I could be. I did not think that God would bless me that way because of my choices. And then, unfortunately, that marriage ended after those two children, my two children. And so, ironically, that vision is part of what gave me almost like a, a, a thread of strength as I went through that experience of going through a divorce, because like I said, it was not something that I wanted, that I intended, um, but it was also someone that if I'm honest, I shouldn't have married. We don't like to say stuff like that, but nope. it's true. Don't want to talk about We don't want to talk about it, but feelings. You, I had warning after warning after warning. <laughs> I had warnings. I didn't, he did not leave, he did it. God. <laughs> We'll hit you over the head <laughs> with a bat, practically. If you know, to get you to go a certain way, but it's up to us to heed and to listen. Mm-hmm. And I had I had warnings. And so I I would be, it would be, I would be lying if I said that I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um and so that ended, the, the that ended. And um I had to now parent after divorce um but the when i say that that vision was part of the it was a thread of 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 strength and faith because somehow in the midst of that i knew that god is still with me mm-hmm. and he is still for me uh, because he gave me their names and so even though this doesn't seem like it's working out the way that he intended. This is not God's plan. God's plan is for a man and a woman, family. We know that. We know the structure. We know that it's the first thing he did. He created that structure in the garden. And so all of that was at odds in my mind with what I was actually living. Um, And then it, it, it got deeper because he said that now there are three things that you have to overcome. And so being single, okay. because I had no intention of being single, in my, in my innateness, I knew and still know that I was designed to be a wife. And so it's like, okay, now that's torn apart or ripped away from me. Mm-hmm. Parent. I now am a parent. Mm-hmm. Am I prepared to be a parent? single or not, am I ready? Because it's right, happening. Right. So that that is that that there was a challenge there. And then doing this divorced or the stigma of being divorced. Um and what that would look like, you know, in the church, what that would look like in to the world. And I mean things things as simple as going in to register my sons for school and doing it alone. Mm-hmm. Um or going to um uh baseball games or basketball things or anything that had to do with being a parent and even the appearance of doing it on your own carries a stigma yes and so you begin to live with this identity and you learn how to live with it with a level of strength Mm 
Mm -hmm. um, but it can also be a heavy weight because it's almost as if before you even before you even open your mouth or before you even interact in a particular environment, there's already an assumption about you. Mm -hmm. There's either an assumption that something happened, mm -hmm. you did something, you were doing something, somebody did something and it didn't work. What's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Why didn't this work? Why did you make that choice? This is your fault. You shouldn't have done it, da, 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 da. Well, if you had it, da, da. all of those things are part of that stigma that if you're not careful and if you don't go back to that all things you will carry that and it will become part of your identity and i am wholly convinced that that is not his intention that's not god's intention yeah. while we do have to we have the responsibility of learning from our choices we have the responsibility of um growing from it i don't think that we are to be condemned by them Yes. And that is part of overcoming that stigma that's tied to single parenting, that's tied to divorce. And I'm going to say it again in the church, there's a stigma tied to being single. Yes. Because people think something's wrong with you if you're single, or they think you're just so hot and fast that you're out here doing any and everything because you're single. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what, can't, what is it? <laughs> Make up, your mind. <laughs> Make up your mind either. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> okay. I just, you just label me because, because that's what it is. It, parenting, you know, people have their opinions of how you're supposed to parent, what you're supposed to do, how they raise their children, how you raise your children. Um, and so there, there, there can be a stigma around parenting or an expectation around parenting that you are, if you're not careful, you'll find yourself trying to live up to. Um, and then of course, divorce. Because we know that marriage is a covenant. And so that's looked at like you failed a covenant. Yeah. And when you think about that, that is a, a pretty big weight to place on somebody. That I failed a covenant. And covenant is the basis of our relationship with the father. And that's the mark you want to place on me. As if God abandoned me. Yeah, as if God abandoned me. As if I've done the worst of the worst of the worst. Like there are categories mm -hmm. in sin. So I have a question. Yes, ma'am. So with the covenant, so would you say when a person get married, yes, we get married to the covenant with God, but does that also mean that we are intertwining the covenant with the relationship do you think people are doing that intertwining covenant you're marrying a covenant but you also intertwining the relationship with god so if you get divorced and the covenant is broken it automatically means your relationship with god is broken because I, I see that in some people who get divorced they feel like god don't want them yeah because of that stigmatism yeah i i think that i think that that is um I think it's, I could think it'd be hard to pull that apart. Um, and I can see where that could happen because there is a level of conviction. Mm -hmm. um, it can become condemnation, 
but there's still a level of conviction because mm -hmm. yes, this was a covenant. Mm -hmm. um, and so the, it, it can be hard, especially if you were devoted to that covenant and you really wanted it to work. And then for, for reasons that you may or may not understand entirely, it doesn't. Um, it causes a, a, a rip, if you will. I mean, when the Bible says that when two, be, two get married, they become one. Yeah. And so when that covenant is um, dissolved, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, those, two, those one are now two again. There's an entire tearing that takes place. And in that tearing, I think that it is easy to not just tear away from the covenant, but tear away from the covenant maker. Mm. Because you are having, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard thing to decipher the difference, mm -hmm. especially if you intended for God to be the center of your marriage. And now your marriage is dissolved. You have to really be able to hold on to the father mm -hmm. and in hurt, uh, like deep hurt, it will it causes us to withdraw. It causes us to pull away. I mean, when Adam was doing what he did, he ran off and hid under some leaves and figs and he had a covenant. But instead of him going to the father, he ran mm -hmm. and was afraid of who could actually cover him adequately, right? And so I think that that is a human response to pain, to trauma, um, and we have to, almost like we have to reteach or we have to debunk that thinking that just because this covenant is, the, the marriage covenant is dissolved does not mean that God's covenant with me is dissolved. I am still his child. I am still his daughter. I am still his son. I am still his chosen. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. And it takes a, in, in some instances, and he took me to the scripture earlier this morning, a renewing of the mm -hmm. mind. Because my mind has, I, I, have, I have tied this covenant into my relationship with the father. And the thing about it is that's not wrong. Mm -mm. It's as it should be, mm -hmm. right? If the man is the head of the woman and he is the head of the man and we are operating that way, it's all intertwined. Mm -hmm. This is one covenant. This is just one big happy covenant. covenant, one big happy covenant. We are one in the father, you and me together. Mm -hmm. And when you and I think that's why divorce is so such a can be such a painful thing spiritually, physically, emotionally, because all of that is being pulled apart. Right. And now you have to understand how to live again apart from that covenant and that you are still a person and that you are still valuable and that you still have purpose and that God can repurpose. Mm -hmm. That's that all things. And that he knew this. This is the part that blows our mind. He knew it from the beginning. So wherever you are in that, in that, in that space, in that journey, that part is what you hold on to. Because for me, that's what kept me afloat. Because otherwise it, it would have been impossible. And I can say that honestly, I mean, it, not that I, you know, had this uh, 
dying love or, or wanted to remain married to my ex-husband because I understood why the divorce had to occur. Mm -hmm. And I got to a place in my experience where I began to pray, okay, Father, if, if this is your will, just release me. Yeah. Um, because of the circumstances of that particular situation. So it wasn't a situation where I wanted to necessarily stay married to him, but it was the desire for the covenant. And as that was breaking, I literally felt my insides crumbling. Mm. I remember sitting at my desk at work and this was shortly after things were falling apart and it was clear, okay, this is, this is where this is headed. And I could not explain, I was sitting there and my entire insides were shaking. I mean, I, and I couldn't explain it. Wow. I, it, but it was, I, I know now that covenant was tearing and I could physically feel it. And it was almost unbearable. It was like wanting to rip my skin off. Hmm. <laughs> I know that's like real vivid, but it was. And, but the thing about it was, it was not, it, it was, it, it, it's really hard to put words to, but it was the covenant. But what I had to learn was to live, live again and live outside that covenant and that I still had a covenant. So very much so. And I think God endeavors for us to know that so that we can overcome the stigma mm -hmm. and not live in this space of, you know, what people say or what, what it's appears to be, or appears to mean to be a single parent after divorce. Um, because there are still great things after that. And so two, two things that God has, he began to dig into this, um, and he kind of separated, uh, two concepts, um, you know, when you're in this place and you've you've divorced and you're parenting um, and you're doing it, you know, as a single parent, um, the two things that he kept bringing to me were purpose and practicality. Um, and then prioritizing and managing purpose and practicality. And these are some of the things that, you know, we can talk about purpose all day long. We can talk about, you know, God's will and who, you, who you're supposed to be and even building purpose in other people, developing our children and their gifts and all of those things. And, um, and they're great. Um, but oftentimes, especially for a single parent after divorce, um, it, we don't speak enough about the practicality of it. Like the day to day life. That where there's a two-person home, there are two people sharing the responsibility of managing the purpose of these other lives, mm -hmm. of stewarding these other lives. When you are a single parent after divorce, there's typically just one person that is primarily managing and still has to steward the purpose of other lives. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest. It's a challenge to stewarding the purpose of my own life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on that. Lord, I, you know, just help me. So it's like when you, when you look at it from that perspective, um, it's, it's a responsibility. Um, and we have to understand that both from a purpose perspective and practical, um, how do we do this? You know, in, in a two person home, you ideally, and I know everything, every two person home is not perfect, um, uh, but you're still, to some extent, you're working in tandem with another person. Mm -hmm. Um, you're, you're balancing and you're w balancing the weight of things you are, if you're not, you should be, I pray 
that you are, but you are, you're you either balancing the weight of things physically, emotionally, spiritually, but there are two people, you know? And so as single parents, it oftentimes requires that the same job be done by one person. Um, but the importance of it is no less. And so then the practicality and the purpose becomes that much more important. And the, the, uh, the scripture that he gave me, he had me pause here and he said, I know the plans that I have for you, Jeremiah 29 and 11 mm-hmm. plans to prosper you. And so as, as he was giving me this part of, of this teaching, um, he said, this is the, this is the planning Um, And as you dig into purpose and then balance the practical, you begin to see those plans come to pass. Um, And so with purpose, he said, okay, God's presence. When you talk about purpose, you know, as a parent, our our responsibility is to help um, help our children and, and our home, our household understand purpose. And so, you know, first and foremost is the presence of God and, and making sure that um, that is a priority. It's a priority in your family, in your household. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you first as a parent have to understand your purpose and so that you can begin to understand your children's purpose um, and what the difference is. And it's not always the same. And most of the time it's not the same. Just because you're a prophet don't mean they're prophets. Just That's because right. you're a writer don't mean they're writers. I mean, you might have a singing gene and they sing and everybody sings, but it doesn't always work out that way. And right. one of my, um, uh, one of the mistakes that I think I made early on in, in, um, with my children is trying to force my purpose on them. No, that's good. And just because I'm prophetic, then you're going to understand everything about the prophetic. Um, because, you know, I see visions and of course you didn't, you see that I saw it. You should see it. Sit down <laughs> until you see it. No, don't, don't do that. to your kids. Don't do that to your kids. Um, I did that. I did that for a little while. And even my, um, you know, when I, when I was heavily, heavily involved in ministry, you know, my desire for ministry, I pushed that onto my children and not that that's bad. I think that we have a responsibility to expose our offspring to as much God as possible. But I think that there is a fine line between forcing your experiences onto your children and let them having their own experiences with him and that they develop in their time and in their understanding. And he said, that's the difference between my purpose for you and my purpose for them. Because at the end of the day, whether you are 45 and they are five, you are a soul and you are a soul. Mm -hmm. Y'all the same. And he even told me one day, I see you the same. That's huge. <laughs> and I'm like, but they, he said, I see you the same. That's huge. I see you the same. And he said, it's for so many reasons, because of the blood, because of his sacrifice, because there is no age in the spirit. I mean, all these different things. And, and we're like, all his children. Whoa, we're all his children. 
And so who am I? You, get, you gave them to me to be stewards. And yes, you will enable me to do that, even as a single parent, um, as long as I understand purpose. Um, and so the question that um, I have had to ask myself, and I, I ask myself all the time, and I, I feel like it is a, um, it's almost like a, a check, uh, a self-check. Mm-hmm. Am I being a good steward over their lives? Mm-hmm. Am I being a good steward over their lives? And what does that look like today? Not for the next 15 years, I, just today. What does that look like today? Can I do this? What sacrifices am I willing to make to be a good steward? At what point am I willing to say their lives are more important than mine? Because that's also part of being a steward. That's part of parenting. And again, when you're when you are, this is easier to do and almost subconsciously just done when it's a two person home. Right. Because somebody's doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. Either you or him. Y'all bouncing it back and forth without even thinking about it. It's just happening. Yeah. You know that the kids ain't just out running in the street while Mario's at home. Mm-hmm. You know that they go eat, like without even question, because that's just what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is there that takes on just as much responsibility and understands that as you. As a single parent, you don't have that. And so you are constantly in that mode of, it's me, it's me, it's me. So am I, what sacrifices am I willing to make? Am I making it, am I willing to make, to make sure that I'm stewarding over their lives properly? Um, It can be fulfilling and rewarding to develop purpose. I get excited with teaching, um, but I've also had to understand that as I'm teaching, um, I have to be careful of how how my children's purpose and lives are unfolding um, because I am a steward over that. And it, again, is not my job to force my gifting, gifting on them. Purpose. Now, I can and should use my gift as God sees fit to help them, um, but how I do that through the many stages of their lives is going to vary. And if we're honest, you know, we, this is something that we face daily and it's hard. It's hard sometimes when it is something that you are doing, you realize you're doing it alone. You realize you're doing it, um, you know, without someone else. And it is, it can be a thankless job. It's a selfless, thankless job. That's something we don't we don't want to say it. We love our kids. Oh, my babies. Yes, I love my sons. I do. I love my children. Absolutely, 100%. And I believe, if necessary, I would lay down my life for them. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just would like to believe that. I hope I wouldn't run out the bird of doom. <laughs> and look back like, y'all get out? <laughs> I just hope that that's not me. <laughs> I mean, I would like to believe that, but if we're honest, it is oftentimes, and this is single parent, double parent, three parents, it is, it can be a thankless job. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is where understanding that you're a steward and that even if your choices led you here, you're a steward. And so their lives, um, if I have any hand in, in, in any hand in their lives, and I want to make sure that I'm doing what I can and am supposed to. 
And so purpose is important. And then the practicality. Practicality, because again, from a single parent perspective, um, you can be doing a lot of different things. Um, and you have to understand your needs, their needs, the support system that is built around you parenting. Oftentimes that is, whether it's a financial support system, whether it's structural, um, whether it's family, um, those things um, should not be underestimated um, or looked at as uh, secondary or not necessary because a lot of times they are what hold, help hold this together. Mm -hmm. You know, when they say it takes a village, very much so. Um, and so that's part of the practicality that oftentimes we don't talk about. Um, and sometimes for a single parent after divorce, it's hard to admit that you need help. That's your mindset is I got to do it on my own. Yeah, especially for single mothers. Like somewhere, somehow down the line, it has just been ingrained that we absolutely have to do this by ourselves. And I think we, I think some of that thinking comes from a place of condemnation. I did this, if I'm honest, these are part of my choices, these are a result of my choices, and so then I got to do it, it's just me. I got to take care of it. Mm -hmm. I got to make it work, and I've been guilty of that. I got to, I, I, I have to do it. But when you think, that's a lot of I, who does that sound like? <laughs> it's a lot of I. And when he starts talking about, when you, when, when he tells me, the Lord will tell me sometimes I'm talking to him and he'll tell me, he'll point out how many times I've said the word I in our conversation. And I know every time what he's doing, he's pointing out pride. Mm. <laughs> and then I just get to stop talking. Just, just stop talking because there's a lot of you in what you're saying that I have to do this. And if I don't, and if I don't, and if I don't, and so the practicality of it, God provides solutions for that as well. And yeah, there, there may be support systems that are necessary um, to parent through being single and after being divorced. Um, practicality also involves, you know, the routines and the schedules and the school and the extracurriculars, all those different things that are part of parenting normally um, in any circumstance. Um, but when it's from a single and divorce perspective, it, it requires balance. Um, and then family time, you know, this is something that while you're doing this, are we actually carving out time to spend together as a family or are we just being a family? Cause that's a bit different. Yeah. We can be called a family just cause we're people living in the same house, but are we actually spending time together being a family? Hmm. And even as it took me a long time to see my my three me and me me my three actually four because of jordan but me and my three it took me a long time to see us as a family do you know and, I, and this is just something that the lord is just really um bringing to me now i i i struggle with even referring to us as a family mm. because i there was something in the 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 idealism and the stigma of divorce mm -hmm. and the the dissolving of that covenant that made it hard for me to see this as a family because i i had 
almost like program that family means this. And so because you have these pieces missing or because you have this aspect not there or this part not working, that's not a family. A mother and two kids can't certainly be a family. Hmm. God had to quickly correct me. And I honestly continues to. Because there are times where I still find myself not thinking of us that way. As a group of people that live together and I have to take care of them and I love my kids. But the word family has so many things tied to it that begin to pull at the misconceptions and pull at um, the, the doubt and the fear and um, the, the fear of failure, the fear of all of those different things that are tied to that covenant not being so anymore are tied to the word family. And so um, I don't know why God had me stop there, but that was something and is something that as a single parent after divorce, I have, it's almost like a trigger word at times. I have to learn to overcome that and begin to see us as a family. This is still a family. That's good. Okay. <laughs> that's good because a lot of times that's what the struggle is with family, especially those who are adopting Mm -hmm. or fostering like they're husband and wife but they begin to foster and so like for our because we share our testimony you know that was a big thing like how do we become a family when you're not biologically mine you know and then so it's like how do we look at what a family is mm -hmm. and so that i i like how you put that because a lot of listeners need to hear that no matter even when you're divorcing or even you're not divorced and you're just struggling still trying to figure out what your family looks like. It's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it was hard and sometimes it still is. Um, but I, there are times where I make myself, I find myself using that word. I make myself refer to us, even something as simple as like signing a birthday card and putting the Clark family, mm -hmm. like that would cause something to happen. And I and, and for a while I couldn't figure it out. I'm like, what is a why is a word? What is wrong with you? It is just a word. Write the word down the card and move on. But it 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 triggered the the thoughts about the covenant, the thoughts about being divorced, about being a single parent. Um, and then, as I said earlier, um, the the perception of what it means to be a family. You know the um, the idea um, mm -hmm. and all of that you know is, is tied to that but it is definitely something that as you are moving through that space you learn how you learn that it's a trigger you learn that okay um i this is an issue for me um i need to press in here um, because we are a family mm -hmm. and i certainly don't want my my children to take that and then they have issue with seeing themselves as part of a family because of my issues. Again, going back to what I said two or three slides ago, I'm a steward over their lives. And this is the hard part. God was like, you're a steward over their lives, good or bad. I'm like, what? <laughs> what you deposit, good and bad. Mm -hmm. 
you the reflections the uh the things that you leave the deposits that you leave good or bad are part of that stewardship and so i need you to get this together because this will then affect them especially when it relates to family and then okay so last point on practicality self-care i have been told i can't remember how many times for however many years how important self-care is and i'm gonna be honest i rarely ever listen i just be like yeah okay whatever but i have this 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 and this and then i had someone tell me um i've actually had several people tell me but someone tell me recently they asked me about self-care and I started to answer, and they were like, "You can't say your nails, your hair." You're just like, oh. "Yeah." Well, then what? Then what? <laughs> like then, yeah. then, then what? What? What else is there? Um, and so that you know, as as part of parenting, um, really parenting, whether you are divorced or not, I think self care is important, um, and finding what that means for you, um, even allowing God to lead you. Uh, in, you know, in some instances, but just creating that space um, and understanding that it's okay. Um, it's okay to take that time. It's okay to, because especially if you're balancing the needs of a family, you need an outlet. You need mm -hmm. a space away. I, practical example, yesterday, just yesterday, we went to the monster truck thing down here on Brookfield Road. And it was fun ish uh, but it, it was you know it was it was it was an experience and my my sons they they weren't as excited what they were excited to go but then once we got there they weren't as excited and so for me um as a parent that is that that was a challenge for me because i looked at it like i i need y'all to be excited because i pay so i need y'all to y'all gotta do something i need y'all to be excited uh, but they, it just wasn't their thing. And so I realized that, okay, I, I can't, you know, y'all said y'all wanted to go, but this isn't what y'all mm -hmm. thought it was going to be or whatever. So they weren't excited. So we were getting ready to go. And after the show was over um, and we're walking back to the car and no one said anything. It was just complete silence. And for a moment, I found myself like upset. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, this is one of those moments where one, they're getting older, they're teenage boys. You know, there's going to be things that they're, they just they don't want to do. They want to do. It changes from day to day. And I, you know, OK, we're, we're not going to spend a whole lot of energy trying to figure that part out. But I also had to realize that. This it, it how can I put this? It gave me clarity on the self-care part for me. Because I was so invested in how they were going to feel, how they felt about the event, more invested in how I felt. Like I was more excited about them being excited. Mm -hmm. I'm taking pictures of the trucks and I'm like, look, I'm like, I'm, look at this, look at this. I'm, I'm excited trying to get them excited. And then as I, I was walking to the car and it was just silence, I realized and I'm like, okay, wait, first of all, they're not five and six. So that space of time where that's how I parented. And I'm like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, the, the cheerleader and the yay, you did it and all that. Like, okay, that space is over. So I now have to find things for myself where I don't find myself disappointed when our, what we like to do don't align or I'm not going to make you. And I told them that all week, I'm not going to make you do anything. 
Like if you guys don't want to go here, 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 we just won't go. Um, but from a practical standpoint, it, it made it made it even more clear um, how important self-care is as a parent, because you've got to have that space that's yours. So I just had this epiphany the other day and it, and it, it almost broke me. Um, when you talk about parenting your child, uh, part of self-care, too, is parenting the child you have, not the child you always wanted. That 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 broke me the other day because um, I've been struggling with Jacoby, and I've always had this envision of what a son should be, so I've been trying to parent him to that, and it's been driving a wedge in our relationship, and I had to, I had to sit back and think that he's not the child I always wanted. He's not the son I always wanted. He's different, and so part of self-care, I have to even disabuse myself from the father I wanted to be because I feel like he's robbing me from being the father I've always wanted to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's a part of self-care too, just letting that go. It's it's it it was like a weight I was having. It was it was causing me some serious frustration even to the point where I couldn't even look at my son. Cause I'm like, bro, I'm doing all this for you and you don't and so he's just going about his day. And I'm sitting here with the upset, mad, and, you know, frustrated and stuff. So a part of self-care, too, is letting go of the vision of the child you always wanted, parent the child you've been given, where they are, at the stage they are, and then let go of the idea of the parent you always wanted to be. And sometimes because of the parents you didn't have, so you want to be that parent, but mm -hmm. that parent may not be for the child you have. Oh, my gosh. You know what I'm saying? So a part of self-care has to include that as well, too. Letting it go, starting from scratch, and parent the child you have and being the parent that child needs. Mm -hmm. You know, so mm -hmm. that's part. I just want to add that. Uh, that's, yeah. No, that's, 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 that's good. That's good. Um, and I'm glad you said that because I... I don't think I've had the courage to say mm -hmm. that because it felt like as a parent, you just ain't supposed to say that. Like you're not supposed to say that this is not the child. <laughs> you know, you there's like this thing, this stigma that you you just you just can't say that. You can't even as a parent, you can't say how you really feel. Like I I and and I, I found myself oftentimes in spaces with my sons. Um I'm going to say particularly my youngest son, where I found myself asking myself, do I, I don't know if I like the person that you are right now or the person that I think you're becoming and then go about trying to change it. Either trying to change it practically or through purpose or spiritually, whatever we have to do, but this has got to change. And so that, that space, God is like, no, no, that's not stewarding. Even though I think we've been conditioned to think it's stewarding, that's not stewarding. Um, and that goes back to what he said a few slides earlier, their purpose versus your purpose. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. And you're going to have to be okay with that. And like you said, let go. Um, but that's been hard, especially in these these years between between the, the, the 19 and the teen. <laughs> like, I don't, and we just at 12 and 14. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's that's very powerful. Yeah, and to the steward part, I've been looking at it as like 
uh, we're talking about like uh, you steward like the, the skeleton portion of it, right? Like the skeleton of, and I, I consider it the foundation or the principles of the matter. Um, so like I'm thinking about my son, like I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go back to the basics, like the basics of quote unquote manhood, but the likes, dislikes, characteristics, that's the, the flesh, the dress, that's up to him, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? But it's my responsibility to steward the man right the the principles of manhood jacoby take care of your hygiene okay take care of your physicality well, you know take care of your body mm -hmm. take care of your spirituality everything else as far as your dislikes and that it's my job to expose you to it but it's not my it's not my job to force you to stay into it now if you do do something it's my job to make sure you at least finish a session you know that's a part of the base as far as we're talking about discipline but after we complete a session that I paid all my money, right? After we finish that, that part, session, you don't do it, <laughs> right? You can assess and say, "I don't want to do it," but then I need you to explain to me why right. you don't want to do it no more, okay? Because it needs to be valid reason so I can understand the reasoning because I'm assessing your foundation. But all the other stuff is like, "Hey, you on your own, bro? Not you on your own. I'm explore. I'm help you, but you have to come to these decisions yourself without my my forcing you." Basically, they're on their own. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> They on their own. <sighs> okay, so we talked about purpose and practicality, um, and you know, I started the the uh, this topic with all things work together, um, and we're talking about single parenting after divorce, but really just parenting um, in general. Um, and another point that um, I wanted to pull out here is that every household is not the same. Um, and I think one of the greatest things that we can do for ourselves, especially as single parents, is stop comparing ourselves to other homes and other households. Um, we're not all the same. We might have, we might all be believers. We may be like-minded. We might have similar values, core values at least, um, but we're not the same. And what works for one household doesn't necessarily work for another household. And I think that's one of the weights that we oftentimes carry um, either consciously or subconsciously, where we think that it has to be the way that we've seen it or the way that we've exposed, we, what we've been exposed to, or maybe what we've missed, what we didn't get exposed to. Um, or we have a family member and they appear to have a great marriage. They appear to have this household that looks like everything is all together and it works for them. But first of all, you don't know what's happening mm -hmm. on the inside <laughs> of that, that particular situation. Um, and I think that's something that um, we have to, in order to parent freely um, and without extra added weights, like release ourselves from that and from trying to compare and trying to hold to um, whatever standard that isn't really a standard that necessarily that God has set as a standard based on what we've seen or like you, like you mentioned, what we've missed. Um, because every household is not the same. Um, and we can't think that something is wrong with us because my house is different. My, you know, we don't do this in, in my house. We don't do this in my house. Um, so that's just something that I wanted to point out that we have to really let go of. And for me, I had to do that. I had to, because I, that's one of the things that I did. I would look at, you know, people around me and measure the success of my family 
um, based on what I saw or based on, you know, what was around me or based on what other family members did or what other people, you know, just people that I knew. And I was holding us to um, a measuring stick that wasn't realistic. It really wasn't fair because that's not us. Yeah. That's not us. Um, and so I think that as a single parent, um, that can be a huge obstacle. Um, and also, again, mentioned earlier, one of the stigmas that we carry because we're constantly trying to live up to whatever this is supposed to be. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not the same. And just let God, let God be God. Um, and so just to, to kind of wrap up um, some practical things. Um, while not every house is the same, not every household is the same. Um, you know, if I think if it's a God centered home, um, what does that look like in your home? Um, exposure to his presence, you know, the basics, um, when it comes to, um, purpose, the practicality side of it, you know, what, what is the structure for your home? What is, you know, what are the routines? What are the schedules? What works for you? What works for your family? Making sure that that works and then just going with that um, and letting go of the perception of what is supposed to be um, or the stigma of what is supposed to be. Um, I have an example. I have a cousin who um, she has a very set structure in her home. She practices inviting God. They have weekly Bible studies and they do certain things, you know, every day of the week in a certain way. Um, and it's interesting because when my sons, our, our sons are very close. And so when my sons go visit and spend the night, they're exposed to that structure. They're exposed to that environment. And it is different than our environment. Uh, but then when her sons come to my house, they are exposed to our environment. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that they're exposed to God in both environments, mm -hmm. but just in different ways. Hers is more structured. Mine is not. Um, and I don't, I, for a long time, I thought, well, maybe I should do what she's doing. Okay, we're going to do Bible study every Wednesday and Friday. And I tried. I'm like, this. we're not doing that. I mean, you know, call it what you want. We're not doing that. But what we will do is when they were little, you're going to pray, and you're going to do declarations. And then that evolved into other things. And so um, there is an exposure to him. Uh, but as I said earlier, I, I, I'm not, I, I made the decision that I'm not going to force a relationship with God on them. Mm -hmm. Like that's something that it that it needs to develop you that's between you and him i will expose you to as, him as much as i can um but i'm not going to force him on you because i don't think that that is what god wants at all um and so that you know god center home exposure to his presence um and then understanding the practicality of your household um and i believe that even with our challenges even with um, doing that, even the challenges that we have with our kids. And, um, you know, if we believe the word of God. The Bible says train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And so the principles, the basics, the stuff that, you know, we pour in, the experiences, the what we are trying to get them to, to get and grasp and hold on to that become the foundational stuff of who they are, um, if that is rooted in the word of God. Um, and in the presence of God, then um, it has to produce fruit.
right? I mean, otherwise, what do we believe? What are we doing? Why are we here? If, if we don't think that that's going to produce. And so um, that takes faith. And it, do, it takes faith to believe that and then let it go. Like, even when you think about the faith to, to bury a seed in the ground, it takes faith to put that in the ground and walk away. Yeah. And somebody will come, water, it'll rain, something. Something's going to grow eventually. And it may not be, oh, this is hard. It may not be me this season. But it's let it go. I, I liken that to what you said, Brandon, about letting it go. Okay, last two things. I have two scriptures. Um, I started out with Romans 8 and 28 and all things work together. Um, because, again, we, were, we started out talking about being a single parent after divorce and how, how even that situation, all those things that led to that particular circumstance have worked together for the good. Um, and so the, the Lord really took me into all of Romans 8. Um, and again, I'm not going to read all of it, but if you really go through and read all of it, it, all of it is about all the things that work together that end up still being good, that still end up being part of his purpose, um, that still can be part of your the plan for your life. Um, when I think about the plan, and the will, um, the will of God, and whether or not this is the will for my life. Is this your will, Father? Is it your will that I be a single parent after divorce? Is that your will? Is it or is it not? Is that the plan? Is this the, is this the, because this is either the conversation, is this the plan? Was this the plan? <laughs> because I'm in it yeah. and it's happening. And again, if I believe that all things work together, are these the things? Are they things that I will see later? Like, are they, you know, from, from, for me, from 2001 to 2009, being told I couldn't have children, and then here they are? Are these the things? Is it your will that I move accordingly as you direct me in these moments? And I think those are things that, those are questions. I'm putting them out there as questions because oftentimes we can say, we can make big statements about the will of God. You know, well, is that the, are you in the will or are you out of the will? For me, I, I don't like that thought process because when you think about God and how big he is, are you really out of the will ever? Can you be? Is that even a space? <laughs> shaking his head. No, I, I'm like, I, how, 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 how would that be a space? If he is, if he is who we believe him to be, and the end from the beginning, before all time, before all things, all things were created by him. Nothing that is made was not made by him. How can anything really be outside? And that goes into belief, like what you're saying, what a person believes for themselves and for their family in the structure of their family. Mm -hmm. So if I believe that, then all things do work together. Even being single and parenting after divorce, it is still working together. Every decision, 
And this is a hard pill to swallow, even my decisions that led me there. I started, I started out by saying that it's my choices that led me here. But even the choices don't keep the all things from working together for my good. He can take those things. The thing about it is he, he, he's already determined that he's going to take those things and work them together for your good. Before you made the choices, he determined he was going to take those things it, it reminded me of um, Adam in the garden in the very beginning. Before a mistake was ever made, the determination that there was going to have to be a way of escape, that I'm going to have to clothe you, that I'm going to have to cover you, was already done before the choices were made. So yes, all things work together, all things. And so for that, I'm grateful. I hope this has blessed somebody. Um, it continues to bless me. Um, and if there is a scripture that I can leave you with, it would definitely be Romans 8 and 28. Um, in fact, that scripture has been on my heart all week. Um, that all things do work together. So we thank you, Alicia, for that awesome teaching, just changing the whole game on how people think about divorcing, um, what parenting after divorcing. And I love um, how you said choices, because uh, I'm going to ask Brandon to expand on this, too, um, because oftentimes people make choices and get stuck in their choices and want to blame their choices for the divorce. And want to blame their choices for the way their kids are. Um, Brenda, what is your view on that? Because Alicia was talking about how her choices um, got her led to this point of the decision, um, but how God also, because of Romans 8 28, all things work for the good. So, what is your view on that as a single parent? Um. So it's 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 interesting. Uh, so that's been one of my, my favorite scriptures lately. Uh, along with the Old Testament, it says, uh, "Get wisdom in all thy getting." So get wisdom basically at all cost. Um, so if you think about that, getting wisdom at all cost, it's mean yes, I make choices, but it's, am I getting the understanding from my choices? Um, there's there's a famous saying. It says, "You are where you thought you would be." And the more and more I think about that, I, it's 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 to, to me to me it's true to me to me it's true. Um, I even think about like one of my young guys. I told him I was like, hey hey bro, like I know you with this girl. I was like, man, but having a baby out of wedlock is terrible. Like don't do it. Like if you like, I show my pay stubs. I hate my pay stubs. Like I pay a whole lot a month in child support. Like I don't get to see my son when I want. Yes, it was good in the beginning, but but not. And I'm telling him this, but in his mind, that didn't go into affecting his choice. He still made the choice to get this young lady pregnant. And I told him, I was like, bro, this young lady is crazy. Here's the signs. She's crazy because of blah, 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 blah. Still didn't see it. So he still didn't let that come into his reasoning um, and his decision making. So he still made the choice to 
get her pregnant. Now he's calling me every day, bro. And I'm like, but didn't I tell you? You know, so I, I think our, 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 we will make choices that would affect our outcomes, but I think we have to learn from those because I think it's still a part of the plan to get to wherever we need to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's a plan to get us to the ex, quote unquote expected end. Now, the expected end means that, yes, I knew you was going to be here. And we have to, I think we have to look at ends as not just an end when we die, but ends of seasons, ends of times, ends of years, ends of days. And when we get there, we have to understand that it's expected and it's all expected based on our choices. Now, we can change our choices, but it's based on understanding, getting wisdom from our previous selection of choices and understanding what caused my thinking to make those choices. Like me now, I will never, ever have a baby at a wedlock. Okay. What does that mean? Probably won't stop having sex till I get married. If I do have sex, I'm probably about to use contraceptives at all times. Right. You know, like I, I know for a fact, I don't want to choose to have an abortion. Okay, so you really probably don't want to make sure to have sex again. Like, you know what I'm saying? So it adds to that, you know, and I think but it adds to a set of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's wisdom from my previous choices. And, and and I think the key is too, I don't allow myself to be condemned from my previous set of choices, especially if I'm getting wisdom, because if I'm getting wisdom from my previous set of choices, then it's making me a better person. And then that old person doesn't even exist anymore. I'm a whole new being. I'm a whole new creature, and I have the ability to make a whole new set of choices. So I don't know if that answers your question, um, but that was just my thinking as I was thinking it through. Sorry, did I answer your question? I don't think it did. Okay, it did. Um, It did. I just wanted to get your perspective on that as well because that's good because you're coming up next month. Yep. Uh (laughs) So um, we're just gonna end it out and. I just want to thank again you, Alicia, for saying yes to this, just helping other um, parents out there to understand that they still have purpose after divorce. You can still be used by God. You can still pour into your family. You can still even pour into your ex, you know, however God leads you. And here at Shepherd's Love, we always tell you what you hear. We ask that you take it right back to God so he can show you how to implement it and cultivate it for yourself, for your household, um, because Alicia gave a lot of nuggets, a lot of nuggets for you to reform and reveal yourself, even how to renew your mind, because no matter what choices we make in life, we still have the ability to turn to the Father and begin to renew our mind to get a better perspective and how we need to lead ourselves first before we leave our families. And I love how um, they start tag teaming, Brandon and Alicia start tag teaming on how we cannot force our children to be what we want them to be, to live, you know, move in a prophetic, how we move in a prophetic or be that child who we want them to be. We have to accept them as is. So we, I just ask that you really take time out and listen to this message and begin to see how you can apply into your own lives right now. Sit back and evaluate even your family, your mom, your dad, your aunt, and see where you see where things went wrong in their life where you start implementing and maybe you can let go of and start implementing what God is telling you. 
So that is the application that I'm charging you all to do. So begin to sit back and really look at your family history, your family tree, and see what things went wrong. If you got a lot of divorces in your family or a lot of um, pain or frustration with children, sit back and begin to evaluate why and what can you do different? What can you show different, pray different, talk different, raise your children up different? So that is the application that here at Shepherd Lewis we would ask for you to do. And to get in contact with us, we ask that you reach us at info at uniquetransformationenterprise.org. Send us your questions, your concerns, um, future topics that you want to hear about next year, because it'll be next year when we do things different. Um, but we're going to continue August with um, the matters of the heart with family uh, for God. And we're going to be talking about August. Uh, we're going to hit single dads. Uh, we had everything in the family so all families can be whole. And I just want Brandon to go ahead and pray us out. I mean, you just walk in. You hear everything. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh -huh. um, just um, pray us out. Oh, that's hilarious. However, the Lord leads you. Sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, Father and our God, we, we thank you for this day. Uh, we thank you for this opportunity to uh, learn more and to deal with the matters of the heart as you see fit. Father, thank you for the speaker today um, that brought the message concerning um, parenting and divorce, the matters of the heart in that regard. So we thank you for the message that was given today. Uh, Father, we pray that we have a further understanding that all things do work together. And help us understand, Lord God, it's because that we love you and that we know that all these things, all of our past decisions, all of our past choices, all of our past, what we deem maybe even mistakes, all work together. So, Father, we, we pray, Lord God, that no condemnation shall set on us. We pray that all condemnation shall be brought off. And we pray, Lord God, that all these past things be added onto us going forward as wisdom. Your thank word you, says, Father. get wisdom with all thy getting. And wisdom is the principal thing. So we thank you, Lord God, for the wisdom that was gained today. We thank you, Lord God, for all those who will be hearing this message. We pray that they will be blessed. We pray that the message comes through clearly through the speaker and it hits their heart. And let, let strongholds be broken in this hour, Father. We thank you, Lord God, for all the children who will be able to be blessed because of this message. Because parents will have a new idea to parent their children where they are. So, Father, again, we just ask that just any condemnation, I feel that really strongly, any condemnation of past mistakes, in past choices just be broken off their life lord and let it let it ring through in their hearts and their souls and in their minds that it all works that it all works father show them the work show them the purity of the works show them that you have their end in mind that you have an expected end in their mind and help them lord god to continue to push and walk towards these things we ask you to continue to bless ute we ask you to continue to bless their mission and their charge of what they have in uh, what they what they've been charged to do we ask lord god you continue to provide all the things that's necessary for this ministry to be successful in your eyes father let it be successful in your eyes and we continue to give you all the glory and honor and praise in yeshua's name we pray amen amen, amen.